Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Um, if you would go to Hebrews chapter 2, you know, I've been preaching for about a month and a half from Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses of Hebrews chapter 1, and today I was inspired to look at Hebrews chapter 2. So I don't, I'm not starting a trend. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to go through all the chapters of Hebrews or we'll be here for till Jesus comes. But, but even if we were, Hebrews is a good book. Amen. I mean, I love the book of Hebrews. I mean, I, to be honest with you, before I even came on here uh, as a pastor, I've been living in Hebrews for some time. It's, it's an amazing book. Uh, it talks about, um, about Jesus's ministry in contrast to the Old Testament ministry. You know, we're New Testament people. Amen. We don't worship God in the same way that they did under the law with the sacrifices. We have a new and better way, a living way to the Father, amen, through Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, but today I want to look at Hebrews chapter 2. But you know, so many things, so many things in life, in the world, they, they're constantly clamoring for your attention. Do you know what I'm saying? Constantly clamoring for your attention. There's constant advertisements. Everywhere you go, you know, if you have a smartphone, everything, even like my little Bible apps, constant advertisements everywhere, clickbait everywhere, just everything is just demanding your attention. The news stories and politics, um, TV shows, entertainment, you know, the goal is just to keep you coming back for more and more and more. They want to get your attention and get you coming back, right? YouTube is designed, algorithms, they study you and give you suggestions to get you to keep clicking the next video and the next video and the next video. You know what I'm talking about because <laughs> you've done it, right? I've done it too. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. It's what it's made for. It works, right? You know, big tech is always monitoring you and watching you because they want to put the right advertisements in front of your eyes. You know, I, I went online and I was looking at a, looking for a treadmill the other day, right? So what do I see for the next three days is constant advertisements of treadmills, right? Everything is clamoring for your attention. And, you know, I don't even know about some of the platforms. I'm, I forgive me for my ignorance, but some of the younger generation, the, 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 the social media apps and things they're on, I have no clue. I don't even go on those. And so, boy, just imagine having something always constantly demanding your attention. But, you know, even if you own property or something like that, you buy a house, you know, you got to take care of your property. You got to maintain it. You got to take care of the grass, right? You know, grass grows in the summer every week. (laughs) And that flower bed out front, (laughs) those weeds are resilient, man. (laughs) Every week. I mean, I, I came in here this morning and it's like over there that grass was shooting up again. It's like, oh man, I thought I just weed eated that. Well, it was over a week ago. So it's a, every week they're resilient, but they demand constant attention. You know, if you have a car, you got to change your oil, got to change your tires and put gas in it. Then you got to detail it. Unless you're like me, you just drive it dirty until your wife gets so frustrated <laughs> and then she details it. And that's fine. That works. But man, things are always demanding. Our attention. Anybody remember waiting for the six o'clock news to come on so you could see what was going on in the world? Yeah, you didn't know what was going on. You wanted to find out what was going on, so you wait. The six o'clock news is coming on, right? So you turn it on and you wait and you hear, you know, 20 minutes of international headlines. 
That's how you, now it's what, it's constant with, with the constant feeds. I mean, you get alerts when a new story comes out. You know, I'm sorry if I've ever missed your text messages. I have not figured out how to turn off all of the alerts on my phone except for my text messages. I keep turning those on and, and they don't come through. So I just have to look visually and see if I get a text message. But uh, I just don't want constant alerts coming through my phone. You know, you, you download a little game for your kids or something to play and then alerts come for updates for, you know. <laughs> so I was like, I don't really need to know that information. I don't need to give that my attention today, right? But, but there's more demand for your attention than ever before. Your, your attention has actually become a marketable commodity. Think about that for big tech. I mean, they're selling. They're, they're studying you. and They're selling and buying your attention. It's a, they're making money off of that. But the truth is that anything that's worthwhile in life, it does demand your attention, does it not? Anything that's worthwhile, you know, your children need your attention. My kids need a lot of attention, <laughs> constant attention. <laughs> so I have a couple good ants that they, <laughs> I like to let them bother sometimes. But your kids need attention. You know, your spouse needs attention, right? Your job needs attention, your friendships, your church, all of these things. And these are worthwhile things to have, but they still need attention. And, you know, of course, you really should be exercising every day, right? need to give attention to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's worthwhile, but you, but you got to give everything attention. You know, it'd be great if you could just do things once and then have them forever, right? Wouldn't it be great, Crystal, to plant a garden once, one time, and then have fruit from it forever? I planted that, I planted that tomato in 1987. <laughs> every year gives me tomatoes. Yeah, you never have to weed it, you never have to water it, and you always have fruit. It'd be nice to buy a house, and the toilet would never need fixed, the soffits would never need painted, there'll never be a tree that you need to cut down, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to buy, this is a, this is a subtle hint for my, for my wife, it'd be nice to buy a 1972 Corvette, <laughs> and never have to work on it, never have to change the oil, never have to change the tires, you know, and it'd just be perfect forever, right? You know, you don't meet somebody, you don't court them, you don't take them out and marry them and then never have to do anything again after that, do you? <laughs> do you love me? Well, I told you in 2017 that I loved you. <laughs> if anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> Doesn't really work, does it? Because <laughs> things that are valuable do need attention. You know, you have kids, you just don't have a kid and then just take it out when you want to hold it and play with it. <laughs> They need fed, they need attention, they need taught, they need raised, right? And uh, you don't become a Christian and then just forget about it. Oh, yeah, I did that. I became a Christian back in 1970, whatever. Well, you didn't just become a Christian. You entered into a relationship. You entered into a walk with somebody. And it's worth giving attention to. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, if you remember, I'd been preaching on Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and the beginning of Hebrews says what? God speaks, right? God has spoke long ago through the prophets, and, now, and then he has spoken in his Son. God is speaking. I'm glad God's speaking. Amen? 
But uh, he's saying here in chapter 2 that we need to pay much closer attention to what we've heard, to what God is saying, lest we drift away from it. You know, there's a, um, uh, there must be a real danger of being able to drift away from it, or this warning would not be in here, right? right? We need to give it our attention. Uh, the contemporary English version, you know how I like to look at different versions. The contemporary English version says, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Well, that's the one I just read, isn't it, CV? Actually, that's the ESV. I wrote that around. It's the ESV that I have here. We must pay much closer attention. The King James says it like this. Therefore, we ought to give more earnest heed, more earnest heed to what we have heard which means much closer attention, in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> More earnest heed uh, to the things we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. The Living Bible says, so then we must listen very carefully to the things that we have heard, to the truths we have heard, or we may drift away from them. And then finally, the CEV, it says, we must give our full attention to what we were told so that we don't drift away. Our full attention. Say, my full attention. See, there is a real danger of slipping away. The literal meaning there, when you look it up in the commentaries of slip, slipping away, is, is kind of a, an allusion to um, a, a boat that is being carried by a current of wind or water, and it can move it away beyond the place of safe anchorage. Okay. In other words, you didn't do it on purpose. They didn't intend to get driven out into open sea, but they didn't pay attention and they missed their, their place of safe anchorage. When I was reading that in the commentary, I was thinking about Paul when they were shipwrecked, you know, and, and he said, don't go. And they said, well, we can just sail out and go around. And they got caught in open sea and they got caught in a storm that drove them and they ended up being shipwrecked. And uh, we don't want to go by that point of safe anchorage when there's a salvation right here ready, ready for us, prepared for us. Somebody else did all the work. All we have to do is pay attention so that we don't let it slip. Amen? So there's a, uh, there's a real danger of slipping away if we're not diligent. The Phillips translation says this, We ought to, therefore, pay the greatest attention to the truth that we have heard and not allow ourselves to drift from it. Do not allow yourself to drift from it. And then the message says, it's crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. And finally, I like this one because it's old sounding. Because of this, it behooveth us more abundantly to take heed to the things we've heard, lest we may glide aside. <laughs> it behooveth us. It behooves you to grab onto this thing and hang on to it. I used to tell the kids when I, when I would teach kids a lot, I want you to listen on purpose. You ever say that to your kids? I want you to listen on purpose. I mean, I want you to make a decision to give me your attention and hear what I'm saying. Listen on purpose. And uh, I, that's, what, that's what the author of Hebrews is telling us. Listen on purpose. Don't let this slip by you. Amen? Amen. Listen to what? It says to what we have heard. It's the gospel message. It goes back to Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, God speaking. Therefore, uh, Hebrews 2.1, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Verse 2, For since the message declared by angels provi uh, 
proved to be reliable, this would be the message delivered to Moses, the Old Testament, and every transgression under the Old Testament of disobedience received just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then it goes on, it was declared first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. We're speaking about the gospel message of salvation. See, God has chosen to make this gift of salvation available to us through a word, through a message. Isn't that an amazing thought? You know, he, he didn't send a warrior to rescue us, although he is a warrior. But he didn't send a warrior. He didn't send Rambo, you know, to shoot up the place and drag us out. He didn't send a doctor, you know, even though Jesus is the great physician. But, you know, he didn't come to give us all a vaccine to make us saved or something. You know, he didn't send a lawyer, although he is our advocate. He's our legal representation in heaven. But what he sent was a word. He sent his word and it healed them. You know, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for what? It is the power of God unto salvation. The word itself, the message of the cross is the power. You know, as we give our focus to the word, not just, not just uh, you know, trying to educate our heads, but when we give our focus to the word and become doers of the word and put that word in the place, that's when that river starts flowing among us. Amen. It's when we come together in the word. I talked about Emmanuel being a church that is established in the word and empowered by the spirit. The word and the spirit always working together. Why? Because Jesus said, my words are spirit. My words are spirit. My words are life. There's power in the word of God. Amen. I, th I think I shared this. Um, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or last Sunday, but uh, I I've heard the story. I didn't source it, so I can't tell you it's 100 percent true. But the story is that T.L. Osborne, great missionary, many miracles, many healings, was in a meeting one time and he was sitting there. And uh, they were in a group and they were all begging God and praying, oh, God, send the power, send the power. We need more power, God. We need more power. And T.L. Osborne turned to the person next to him and said, the gospel is the power. What they need is more gospel. They need the word of God preached more accurately. Because I tell you, the more, the more you understand what God is saying, not what we want to say, not what traditions are packing onto this thing, but the more you understand what God is actually saying in this book, the more the supernatural you walk in. It's a supernatural book from start to finish. It really is. And the power, the, the gospel is the power of God. Look at Ephesians 1.13. It says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to the Ephesians. He says, when you heard the truth and you believed it, that's when you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. See, it was dependent on the word, the message getting to them. And when they believed it, at that point, the Holy Spirit moved in and put his seal on their heart and in their life. We must give more heed, more earnest heed, right? More attention, careful attention to this word, lest we drift from it. Because it's by this word that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. Amen? You remember Acts, uh, you remember when Peter uh, went to Cornelius? 
And uh, it, he was, uh, they didn't know at the time if a non-Jewish person could even be saved. So, uh, you know, it was a series of miracles, you know, appearance of angels and visions of vision on Peter's behalf and Cornelius saw an angel. And later on, the church was challenging Peter. Why did you go there? They're not one of us. And uh, Peter was explaining what had happened. So look at Acts chapter 11 and verse 13. And Peter is recounting this to the church in Jerusalem. And uh, uh, he, Cornelius told, he, Peter said, Cornelius told us, uh, that's, that's the problem of picking up a verse in the middle of a story. You feel like you want to give it context. So Peter's talking about what happened. And he said, Cornelius told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house. Supernatural, an angel, right? Why didn't the angel just preach? There's an angel, miracle visitation. I mean, so many people would love to go to that point, see an angel. But the angel was there to do what? He said to send to Peter. Send, uh, uh, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. And he will, listen to the words, declare to you a message by which you will be saved. He will declare to you a message. I'll tell you what, start declaring that message in your life. Declare it to yourself, amen? It's the message, the power is in the message. The Holy Spirit, God is watching over his word to perform it. When we believe that message, the Holy Spirit moves on and moves in our heart. So preach, preach to yourself. Declare that message. Declare it to your neighbor, your family, your friends. He will declare to you a message by which you must be saved, you and all your household. I love this one from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Okay, the best that God had, the best wisdom of the world, the best thinkers, the best intellect was not how you know God, was not enough to get to an understanding of God. And isn't that amazing? Because, see, Jesus says, if you don't come like a child, you won't come at all. See, he's actually offensive to people who are really smart sometimes because it doesn't always make sense to what their intellect. But, you know, maybe their intellect is not accurate. Because the best the world has to offer is not the way to get to God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. You don't know God through worldly wisdom. Listen, then it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach. People look at the and try to take it apart and say, it doesn't make any sense. I know, but somehow when you declare Jesus Christ, your Savior, who took your sins on the cross for you, the Holy Spirit moves in your life, opens your heart, and creates a miracle. Hey, we're talking about supernatural stuff. Through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And then finally, James 1.21, you know this. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The word is able to save your souls if you receive it. So what an honor then he has commissioned you to preach this word. You think about that? This is the message that brings new life. And he says, I'm not going to send the angel to do it. I'm going to send Peter. I'm not going to send an angel. I'm going to send you. 
I put the message in you. You're carriers of my word. You're carriers of my spirit. You're the habitation of God on the earth. Amen. So, you know, you're not a minister of a dead letter. You're a minister of the spirit. My words are spirit. If you're, not, if you're not proclaiming it in such a way that it brings life, but just giving people rules and regulate, you know, you can make just a rules and regulation out of it. You can make a legalism out of it. It's been done all over for, for centuries. But that's not what the word is. The word is a seed. And when it gets in your heart, it becomes alive. It's growing. And then you can... You can uh, you can share it because somehow when it's proclaimed, not, you know, it's not to be presented. It's not just to be offered. It's not necessarily to be debated. Although we can look at different things it's to be proclaimed. Jesus is King. Jesus is King. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my savior. Hallelujah. Savior of the world. So we can't let this slip. First Corinthians 15, uh, one and two says this, I would remind you brothers of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and verse 2, and by which you are being saved. You are being saved by the gospel if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. See, we cannot let this slip in our lives. We've got to give it full attention. Let's keep that firm grip, amen? Let me say it like this. It behooveth us more abundantly <laughs> to take heed to these things. And there are things that we need to hang on to, and there are things that we need to let go of, too. Look at um, 1 Timothy chapter 1 for a minute. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 3. He says, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons. He's got people in mind here. <laughs> in one place, he actually names them. I thought that was awesome. How'd you like to be named in the Bible as the people who are... <laughs> that You may charge, you know, certain persons. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God which is by faith. Myths and endless genealogies. These are very likely uh, things from Jewish nature. You know, they kept track of all their genealogies and they had all their stories and things. And um, th the context seems to indicate that that's the source of these. But what I want you to do is look at the outcome that he's challenging. He said, why, why not to teach these things? Why? Because they're promoting speculations and uncertainty. They're not about promoting the kingdom. They're not about advancing the kingdom. The King James actually says it like this, uh, neither give heed, there's a give heed, don't give your attention to fables and endless genealogies which promote questions. See, we're not supposed to be, you know, living with a big question mark over our head about everything all the time. We're supposed to know what the will of God is, know what the kingdom is about and be able to step out and do it. And that's what getting in this word and believing this word answers your questions. And you get in the Word, you settle your questions, and then you go out and you experience it. Amen. The New American Standard says, uh, nor pay attention, there's the word, nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give, which give rise to useless speculation. Useless speculation. See, God doesn't want us just to be spinning in circles, running around after idle things, does He? 
He has stuff for us to do. And I'm, well, we don't have to look, we have, we all have smartphones. We have a way to do useless speculation. <laughs> Everybody can get on YouTube or get on a news feed and have useless speculation all day long. The Bible is not about giving us useless speculation. It's about giving us direction in our life. It's about giving us truth. The church is the pillar of truth. We're supposed to be people of the truth. We're supposed to walk in the truth and be able to demonstrate the truth. Amen? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? So that you can prove what the will of God is. We should be able to demonstrate. People should know something about God by looking at your life. So don't give, uh, uh, pay no attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to useless speculation. Listen to the New American Standard. Rather than advance the plan of God, which is by faith. We are supposed to be advancing the plan of God. We're not supposed to chase after these endless conspiracy theories. What we're supposed to do is be advancing the kingdom advancing the plan of God. See, we have a job to do. Now, we might not know every answer to every question out there. You know, there are questions, there are things that I don't know. But um, we do, we've been entrusted with the kingdom. And we can act on what we've been sure about. And we can let God take care of the rest. Amen? We can't afford to lose our focus. And in a moment of losing your focus, you just drift by that place where you've lost your safe anchorage. And then you're out here, God knows where, trying to get back, needing a rescue. Hang on to that word that you've heard. You need to warn them to stop wasting their time on senseless stories and endless lists of ancestors. Such things only cause arguments. They don't help anyone to do God's work. That can only be done in faith. And we're not here to be a place where we argue. Hey, we sharpen each other. We can challenge each other. That's good. Discussion is good. But we're not here just to argue about stuff. I think it's this way. I think it's this way. No, it's, we're beyond that. We're stepping out. We're doing the work of God by faith. Amen? Amen. Now, there's a warning from 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know, we're living in the last days. We've actually, I can say that very confidently because we've been living in the last days according to the biblical definition for about 2,000 years. <laughs> so so if, if that was the last days then, then these are the really last days now. And if it lasts another 1,000 years, it'll be the really, really last days. <laughs> so, I mean, we are living in what the Bible calls the, the latter times. But it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and to teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, and then it goes on and says, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving. So what's he talking about here? He's talking about legalism, food laws, marriage laws, you know, rules of men, rules of religion that have been imposed on the gospel. And in the last days, people will be depart from the faith, giving heed, giving their attention to these kinds of things. Okay? The King James says that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times shall come uh, shall some depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
You've maybe heard that phrase, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The NASB says, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. And what breaks my heart about this is they're paying attention to the wrong thing. They're not trying to fall away. They think they're religious. They think they're doing it right. But they've given themselves over to putting their focus, their attention on doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. Isn't that crazy? And they think they're doing the right thing, and they're actually departing from the faith. We're supposed to be about the administration of faith, the work of faith, right? So, there's a lot of legalism out there in Christian world, Christian land. You know, it seems like if the devil can't get us over into legalism... He'll push us the other way into lawlessness, you know, a false sense of grace where anything goes. You got legalism on one hand. You know, if you, if you, if you ever hang a wallpaper, you need a plumb line, you know? You know what plumb line is? And you, you hang it and it's weighted and, and it hangs straight up and down. If we call that truth, there's air on this side and there's air on this side, right? You know, think of a road with two ditches, all right? You got a ditch on this side and a ditch on this side. Over here, you've got legalism and rules that you got to keep to be saved. And over here, you've got lawlessness and and anything goes and 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 no expectation of any change in all at all in your life. But you don't have to be there. You can you can experience God. You can be led of God, and you can walk right down the middle of that road. It's a one way road, so you can be in the middle. <laughs> on normal roads, that would not be wise. <laughs> But you can walk right down the middle of that road and not get off to the right, not get off to the left. You could be about the ministration of faith that God has for you. God has exciting things for your life. Amen? Amen. So we don't have to be in one ditch. Look at uh, Matthew 16 with me. Matthew chapter 16. This is the story. You, you know, uh, Jesus said, uh, who do people say that I am? And they say, uh, um, people say some are, some say you're Moses, some say, or not Moses, some say you're Elijah the prophet and uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he turns and he says to the disciples, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And you remember what Peter said in uh, verse 23? Oh, no, no, not yet, verse 23. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And... Uh, Jesus goes on, he blesses them. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. So Peter just has this miraculous revelation from God, right? And this, you don't realize, but it's the very next paragraph where Peter's taking Jesus aside and saying, oh, Jesus, all this stuff about going to the cross, this is not going to happen with you. And after Jesus just said to him, blessed are you, Peter, because, you know, on this rock, I'll build my church and all that. Then he turns his back on him and he says in verse 23, get behind me, Satan. He goes from rock of revelation, Peter, solid rock, to the next breath. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and he says, why? He says, because you're a hindrance to me. Because you're not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. You're not giving your attention to what God is doing. You're putting your attention on things that men are doing. What you think about matters. What you think about matters. Where you put your attention matters. You know, we're not limited by what we know, thank God. 
You remember the verse we read it, I think, last week about Ephesians 3.20, that he's able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, right? What about Romans 8.28? We love that one for uh, those who love God, all things work together for good. You've got to believe that God is doing things and he's doing more than you can even ask or think right now. He's working for you and our job is to get into what he's doing. Not trying to pull him in, you know, uh, what's it say in Romans 10? We're not trying to pull Christ down, (laughs) You know, who will go into heaven and pull him down? We're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to step into what God is already doing. And as we step into that, then he flows through us. And you have access to this now, right now. This is not something we have to wait for. You're in him. If you're in him, you have access to this right now. Go to Romans 8, um, starting at verse 5. We don't have to live like with our mindset on the things of the world. You know, the Bible talks about renewing your mind in Romans 12. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not really just a bunch of adding information to your head. You know, it's not just studying more and more facts and just trying to learn more and more things about God. That's not what renewing your mind is. Renewing your mind has more to do with shifting over from this, the worldly mindset, to the spiritual mindset. It's more about taking, instead of having in mind the things of the world, the things of God. It's putting your focus and your attention and your mindset on Christ, on the gospel. Romans 8, 5 says that those who living to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Seems pretty obvious, doesn't it? But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God, It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Speaking about being in a worldly mindset. In a worldly mindset, we cannot please God. We can't even know God through a worldly mindset. We don't know him through the wisdom of the world. We know him by looking to Jesus. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of the earth. Isn't that good? We can live in this world and set our minds on things that are above. And we were talking in the men's meeting yesterday. We had a great, great meeting yesterday. I really enjoyed the discussion. And uh, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned was as we, as we uh, walk through uh, this world, the only way you're going to walk through it perfectly and, and, and not ever miss a step and do everything right is to infinitely know everything going on and have perfectly f- unflawed logic in your assessment of the situation and always know what to do. Does anybody know what's going on? Can anybody go to a news source right now and read all the stories enough to tell me what in the world is really going on out there right now? I don't know. The other way you can do it is you can follow somebody 
who knows what's going on and whose logic is flawless. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you got lost in a jungle somewhere, uh, it would be really great to have a guide, right? Somebody who's maybe been there before, knows which direction to go to get out, and knows the dangers of the jungle. Well, thank God we have somebody who's been here before, who's somebody who will lead us step by step. This is where obedience comes in. Last week we preached on obedience. Obedience will take you farther than anything that you can even imagine. Because it says he works in you beyond what you can ask or think. How can you experience that in your life? How can you experience more than what you can ask or think if you can't even ask or think it? You wouldn't even recognize it when it came. The way you experience it is you obey him. You step into obedience and, and he's working for you. And you're working with him. Amen. It's cooperation. It's cooperation with God. So let me get ready to wrap this thing up here. Um, I only got six more pages. I forgot to get my little tablet. When I have my tablet, you can't tell how many more pages are left. But I've got a big stack here. No, I'm just it's not six. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I can fly through a page in a minute anyway. Um, just get off on these tangents, but that's all right. Um, you know, these verses, um, when you see things like this, set your mind on things of, of, above. Those who live in the, in the worldly mindset can't please God. You know, we're through worldly wisdom, you can't know God. When you see that, these verses in Hebrews become more and more real. Because we, as we see our culture drifting farther and farther away from truth. You know, we can be caught in that current as well and miss hanging on to that message, that word. You know, when your culture wasn't so just blatantly anti-Christian, you could almost go with the culture and not be drifted that far away from God at any time. But right now, I mean, it's, it's like a swift current that is pulling your mind away from the things of God. And it's intended to be. It's on purpose. And so we've got to hang on more surely to that thing that we've heard. Amen. Second Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 19. He's speaking about the scriptures. He says, we have the prophetic word more, for, more fully confirmed to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. You do well to pay attention to the word of God. All through the New Testament, there are warnings about um, false prophets and false Christs. In Matthew 24, J Jesus is talking, and he's talking about what's going to happen before his return. You can also find this in Luke and Mark. But in Matthew 24, verse 3, they came to him and they said, Tell us when these things are going to happen. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Okay? I am the Christ. Now, how can you be led astray by somebody saying, I am the Christ? You're, you're religious. You're seeking some religious experience. You're thinking what you believe to be spiritual truth. And you're led astray by lying Christ, false Christ, false lying prophets. We've got to be connected to the word of God. Amen. You know, the parable of the sower is all about the things that distract you trying to keep that word of God from producing fruit in your life. Cares of the world, 
right? The tares, the things that are sown in there. We're, uh, uh, what's, what's the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things. And one thing. One thing. One focus. And I want to close with this verse here, Luke 21, 24. And Jesus said, watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life that that day should come on you like a trap. Watch yourselves. Some translations say, be on your guard. The King James says, take heed. Take heed to yourselves. You don't want all your energy and all your resources being spent and giving to things that don't produce. We want to move forward with God. Amen. So we need to take these scriptures seriously. We don't want to neglect this great salvation. Amen. So I'm excited. I know, I know we've got a group of people here who are committed to this. And that's what I love when I share things with you guys. And I mean, I know you're going after these things on your own. So when we come together, man, we just build each other up. And when we have times of prayer, we all jump in there and believe God. It's, a, it's an awesome thing. And I just want to encourage you with this message. Let's hang on to it even more. Let's get our gospel more accurate. You know what I mean? Let's get stuff, junk, things we say and do. Let's get it out. Let's look at what the word says. Let's look at Jesus. Remember I preached uh, two weeks ago how Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus is what shows us what God is like. Not our circumstances, not, not our experiences, not our traditions. It's Jesus. Let's look at Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, uh, Amen. I hope that's encouraging just to maintain, keep, keep the focus on the word of God. Let's go ahead and uh, take up our offering. Which, as somebody said, oh, you guys are ready? Awesome. You guys, is, oh, that's what you're saying? Yes, thank you, Tom. Thank you. I didn't forget. You know, you guys, you guys know if you've been coming every week, you know I'm experimenting with all the order of things. So you kind of never really know what to expect. <laughs> could be first, it could be in the middle, it could be last, but uh, we do just thank God for the opportunity to give uh, and to uh, receive an offering for the work of the ministry, for the things that he's doing through this church and through the world, through your gifts. Uh, our church supports over 30 missionaries, and uh, we feature a different missionary every month, and uh, we like to hear about their stories and what they're doing, and we pray for them, but you know, once a month for 30 missionaries, it's going to take us three years to get through. <laughs> so there's a lot more going on than what we can communicate in a day, but we're so grateful to be a part of that. So if you would just bow your heads, pray with me. Father God, I just thank you for this privilege of, uh, of uh, giving into the work of the ministry. I pray that you bless the gift. You multiply it, Lord, into the place where it's intended to go and that you bring many souls into the kingdom and you bring much fruit. Lord, I also pray blessings on those who give. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.